Thanks very much, Peter. Uh, good day, everyone. My name's Matt. I'm not one of the pastors here. I'm just a normal person. <laughs> and uh, I've, uh, so I just, I've studied primary teaching for the last two years. I've just finished that. Um, and uh, Joel asked me to preach on these last uh, two chapters of Samson. Uh, so I'm going to do that while uh, I get sorted out. Um, oh, I'm sorted out. There we go. Uh, let's pray to start. We thank you, Father, that we can gather together tonight and look at your word, and we ask that you would uh, help us to understand it by the help of your spirit and to take courage to do the things that you have given us to do where we have opportunity to do so, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, many of you will know I was in the army for one year. Uh, it was an army gap year, the second year after I'd finished school. And towards the end of infantry training, uh, we had to go out for a couple of weeks in the bush and do some stuff. And uh, one of them was to do a close target reconnaissance. You just sneak up on the bad guys and just kind of check out what they're doing. Anyway, uh, so I was with a couple of other guys and we were sneaking around. Anyway, the guys who were pretending to be bad guys... Uh, captured one of us, uh, which they weren't really supposed to do, but they did it anyway. And uh, anyway, so it was like a big, a big uh, test moment for me. Was I going to back up my mate and go in to try and get him back, or will I run away? And so I ran away. <laughs> uh, I wasn't prepared. I was like, ah, oh, I So I ran away. Uh, so I failed in my mission as a soldier to back up my mates when uh, we were in the tough times. Uh, but I still had to keep going. I couldn't finish the exercise. I felt pretty rubbish. Uh, I just wanted to give up, really. But uh, it was like the final two weeks of training, of three months of training. Uh, I couldn't just throw in the towel. Even though I was a failure, I still had to get up and uh, keep going with what we had to do. I still had a commander to please. Uh, in Judges tonight, we're going to uh, read a little bit more about Samson. Uh, we saw, if you were here last week, uh, Samson is well, he's kind of a mixed bag. Uh, he is the only judge in the book of Judges to have a whole chapter about his birth. So that means that he's a special dude and important, and we expected big things of him after chapter 13. In chapter 14, we are let down. Samson let us down. He was a bit of a disappointment because... As soon as he was old enough, he was uh, going after girls, not from Israel, which would have been okay, but after Philistine women, and that was not on. For God's people in Israel, they would keep apart from the nations around them so that they wouldn't be tempted to follow the gods of those nations. So anyway, Samson chooses to marry a Philistine woman, and so we're after chapter 13, big expectations, let down and disappointed. However, in chapter 15, it picks up again because Samson finally starts doing what he's meant to do, which is to put the hurt on the Philistines. So if, uh, if you look on the slide, we'll have some of chapter 15 come up. So uh, at the end of chapter 14, uh, Samson had a bet with the Philistines, which he lost, and he left the town in anger. Um, and so then in 15, later on at the time of the wheat harvest, Samson took a young goat and went to visit his wife, uh, it was the custom back then for the wife to stay with her family and the husband to live somewhere else. Um, he said, I'm going to my wife's room, but her father would not let him go in. You can kind of imagine it, can't you? The, there's a knock on the door, and that opens the door. 
Uh, hi, Samson. Uh, closes the door behind him. Oh, look, uh, she's already married. He says, I was so sure you hated her that I gave her to your companion, to his best man. Isn't her younger sister more attractive? Take her instead. Samson said to them, this time I have a right to get even with the Philistines. I will really harm them. So he went out and caught 300 foxes and tied them tail to tail in pairs. He then fastened a torch to every pair of tails, lit the torches and let the foxes loose in the standing grain of the Philistines. He burned up the shocks and standing grain together with the vineyards and olive groves. So he gets pretty mad and we get a bit of an insight into Samson's character here as we did in chapter 14. He's pretty rash, he's pretty reactionary, pretty aggro, he'll fly off the handle pretty fast. And so what happens now is uh, there's a bit of a cycle that begins, if we go to the next slide, a success-failure cycle where the Philistines think that they've got the measure of Samson and they've dealt with him, but Samson turns their success into a failure, such as giving the wife to the best man, Samson burns the fields. Uh, Later on in the chapter, the Philistines, they reckon they'll do away with Samson's wife and his father-in-law. They'll just kill them. So they killed them. Uh, And so Samson goes out and he slaughters many Philistines. And so then the Philistines reckon that... uh, They'll uh, get him this time when Samson runs away into Judah, uh, into a cave. The men of Judah come and they say, Samson, dude, what are you doing to us? The Philistines are our rulers. If you go to the next slide, we'll have that. Don't you realise that the Philistines are rulers over us? What have you done to us? He answered, I merely did to them what they did to me. And this is quite telling uh, about the state of Israel at that time. Because up to this point in the book of Judges, when Israel has been under the thumb of another nation, uh, when they've been oppressed, they've cried out to God for a deliverer. However, in Samson's story, there was no crying out. At the start, God didn't give uh, Israel the judge Samson because the people were oppressed and cried out in repentance. And here, it seems like Israel's pretty comfortable with the Philistines as their rulers. They don't really want to serve God anymore. They're happy with the Philistine rulers. And so Samson's threatening the status quo by killing a bunch of people. And so they say, these men of Judah say to Samson, we'll only tie you up and hand you over to them. We We won't kill you. So they're bound him with two new ropes and let him up from the rock. As he approached Lehi... The Philistines came toward him, shouting, The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax, and the bindings dropped from his hands. Samson then picks up the fresh jawbone of a donkey, presumably with the teeth still intact, which would be a pretty nasty weapon, and he takes to the Philistines and kills a thousand of them. Uh, If this was a movie, it would kind of be a bit comical, because... Uh, as you traipse through the, the villages or whatever, you know, there might just be piles of bodies everywhere. You know, go through this town, pile of bodies. Go through here, another pile of bodies. And the Philistines kind of look pretty stupid. There's, you know, a thousand guys coming at Samson and he's got his hands tied behind his back. And yet, with the spirit of the Lord's help, he, uh, he takes to them and he kills a thousand of them. 
And this is what Samson was meant to do. The judges were meant to lead Israel to fight the nations around them. And so Samson was doing this uh, in spite of the nation betraying him to the Philistines after the fight. Uh, Samson depends on God. He's worn out. If we go to the next slide. He was very thirsty. He cried out to the Lord, You have given your servant this great victory. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? Then God opened up the hollow place in Lehi and water came out of it. When Samson drank, his strength returned and he revived. So the spring was called Enhokor and it is still there in Lehi. Samson led Israel for 20 years in the days of the Philistines. So if you're an Israelite reading uh, the story of Samson with your family uh, after dinner one night, you'd kind of be making jokes about the Philistines at this point. Big nation, big army, and just Samson on his own who's been killing lots of guys. And so you'd be kind of laughing and going, yeah, you know, Samson's our man. He was the man back in the day, just owning the Philistines. Uh, And the humour here is meant to underscore a serious point for God's people, uh, that we don't want to be God's punchline. We don't want to be God's laughing stock. Here, uh, the Philistines look silly for a reason, and it's meant to teach God's people that even though the nations around them looked strong and powerful, they shouldn't follow them, they shouldn't serve their gods, because at the hands of the living God and the servant of the living God, they're weak, they're powerless. They can't stop one man, even with a thousand This sentiment is echoed uh, in Psalm chapter 2 where God's uh, enemies, the enemies of Israel and God, they they, uh, are conspiring. In verse 2, the kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. So uh, for those of you here who aren't uh, Christian, who maybe think that it's a little bit silly to believe in God in this day and age of great uh, scientific advancement, um, uh, I I tell you this as a a warning, uh, as uh, sincerely as I can, that um, the time is now to to get on to God's good side, to, to stop uh, giving God a reason for him to laugh at you, stop, to stop opposing God. How do we know that uh, God's going to terrify us in his wrath? Who's this, this king, this ruler? Well, in Acts chapter 17, Paul writes that uh, this, this ruler, this, this one, this judge, is uh, the one who, has ra- uh, who God has raised from the dead. And that's the Lord Jesus. Uh, in 2,000 years ago, he was killed on a cross, buried three days later, rose again, and hasn't died. He ascended into heaven is at God's right hand now. Uh, so watch out. Watch out. And this is a warning for all of us. Watch out that you don't become God's punchline. Uh, don't give God a reason to scoff. Don't oppose him. Submit to him uh, and to uh, the Lord Jesus. So that's chapter 15. 
And kind of at the end of chapter 15, uh, as an Israelite reader, you're meant to be going, okay, so Samson, big start, disappointing, going after Philistine women. He's come back. He's got the goods. Maybe Samson's the guy who's going to lead Israel and defeat Israel's enemies. And then it all falls apart. In chapter 16, as Peter read for us, uh, again, Samson's going after other women, uh, women of the Philistine nation. He goes to Gaza, where he saw a prostitute. He spends the night with her. The people of Gaza were told, Samson's here. So they surrounded the place and lay wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no move during the night, saying, at dawn we'll kill him. But Samson lay there only until the middle of the night. He got up and took hold of the doors of the city gate, together with the two posts, and tore them loose, bar and all. He lifted them to his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Uh, the hill of Hebron was maybe, uh, it was at least kind of 20 or 30 k's away. And so Samson, he rips the gates off the city, leaving the city defenceless, and then lugs the gates just to make a point, it seems, uh, 10 or 20, uh, 20 or 30 kilometres away to this hill. Uh, it's, it's telling... Uh, that there's no prayer from Samson here. At the end of 15, there was a prayer. Samson uh, acknowledged his dependence on God for life and for help. But here, he's just it kind of just seems like he's strutting his stuff, just out and about, uh, getting girls, ripping doors off walls, the usual stuff for a super strong man. Uh, and then Delilah shows up. And Delilah is the only woman named in the, the Samson story, uh, and she is his downfall. So he falls in love with a woman in the Valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. And Delilah's loyalties are tested straight away. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. Uh, that's quite a sum of money. That's about um, 13 kilos of silver from each of the rulers, however many there were. So it's not an insignificant amount of money. And we know Samson, uh, Delilah's response by the very next verse. She goes to Samson and says, Samson! Tell me the secret of your great strength. Oh, such big muscles. And how you can be tied up and subdued. Now, Samson's uh, responses are really quite funny. Um, so he's, Samson is super strong because he's never tied, been tied up with bowstrings. There you go. If only the Philistines back in chapter 15 had used seven fresh bowstrings, they would have got Samson. Rats. So anyway, Delilah tries it, hides some Philistines in the room. Samson, the Philistines are here. <laughs> Bowstring's gone, fall to the ground. <laughs> uh, Samson won, Delilah zero. Uh, next, new ropes. Again, the same thing happens. Samson tears them to shreds. <laughs> Goes after the Philistines. And so Delilah's a bit... making a fool of him and lying to me. And this is my favourite one. Uh, Samson says to her in verse, uh, uh, what is it, verse 13, 
the secret of my hair, my great strength, Delilah, is my hair, and that it's never been woven into a blanket. <laughs> That's what looms are used for, right? For weaving things, rugs, carpets, throws, uh, nice knee rugs and that kind of thing. So Samson's been going around putting the hurt on the Philistines, but only if they'd weaved a bit of blue, a bit of green, maybe light pink or something, made a nice throw, they would have got him. So anyway, Delilah goes, cha-ching, and gives it a go. Surely she was like, oh, I don't know. But anyway, she gave it a go, and uh, Samson broke her loom. Uh, and so then she was very unhappy. Uh, so that's Samson 3, Delilah 0. And so as we see uh, in verse 16, she just nags him and nags him and nags him. Yep. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. So he told her everything. And he means every, they mean everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I've been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I'd become as weak as any other man. Now, last week, uh, Joel reminded us uh, of, if in case you'd forgotten, of Numbers chapter 6, where the Nazarite uh, vows are explained. And uh, the Nazarite vow, you would be dedicated to God, uh, but temporarily. And you would grow your hair as a sign of your dedication. Then when the time was up, you'd cut it off to show that uh, you weren't as dedicated to God anymore or something like that. But uh, so what Samson's saying here, he's saying, I give up. I don't want to be God's man anymore. I just want to be normal. I just want to be like everyone else. Now, it's telling that uh, even when... Uh, that he doesn't run away. Surely if he was concerned with being uh, God's man against the Philistines, he would leg it as soon as he told her this. But he doesn't. He stays the night. And that's the beginning of the end. Uh, he doesn't pray. He doesn't confess to God and repent and say, what have I done? He uh, just stays the night. And so then the Philistines come. They gouge out his eyes. They take him back to Gaza uh, and they parade him around. Now his hair get, begins to grow again, and eventually the Philistines have a big party, uh, and they're boasting. They're saying, our God, Dagon, in verse 24, our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. And they bring Samson out and put him in the pillars, and he entertains them. And then... In verse 28, Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus, he killed many more when he died than when he lived. The writer here makes a note that uh, 
On top of the rulers of the Philistines that were in the temple, there were about 3,000 people on the second floor watching. And so they all died. In one fell swoop, Samson, whose job was to to take out the Philistines, took out their national leadership and 3,000 of their people. And yet, there was no there was no peace for Israel. After each of the other eleven judges in the book, there was a period of peace. Their uh, time as judge would lead to peace for Israel and freedom from their enemies, but not here. Despite Samson's mass murder suicide, there was no peace for Israel. So it was kind of a bit pointless really, in the end, uh, and kind of sad. What are we to learn from this? What lessons are we to learn? What lessons were Israel meant to learn? Well, they were meant to learn that God reigns supreme in failure. Samson compromised, left, right and centre, breaking his Nazarite vows, getting involved with foreign women. Uh, And it led to his downfall. His self-sufficiency, his lack of dependence on God, his his arrogance, that his strength, even though his hair was cut, would still be with him, uh, led to his downfall. And yet, that was used by God to bring about his purposes, which was judgment on the Philistines. And so we see that God reigns even in spite of failure, but also through failure and through the failure of God's people. Now, we thankfully aren't living in Samson's Israel. Uh, We are living on this side of the Lord Jesus Christ and we have him as our saviour. How is Jesus... How does Jesus succeed? Where does Jesus succeed where Samson fails? Well, there's three three uh, successes that Jesus has that Samson doesn't. The first we see in 1 Peter 3, 18. And here uh, we read, Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. And so here we see that uh, Jesus, the Christ, was righteous. He was sinless. He didn't compromise like Samson. He didn't fail like Samson in this way. He was righteous. And that meant that he could give his life for unrighteous people like you and me and that we might be brought to God uh, without fear of God's wrath. So Jesus succeeds where Samson fails uh, in living a righteous life and freeing us from God's wrath. Secondly, in Colossians chapter uh, chapter 2, We read, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And so we see here that in his death, Jesus succeeds in defeating his enemies and ours. In Samson's death, he defeated his enemies but didn't bring any lasting peace for his people. Here we see the Lord Jesus. He's freed us from uh, the legal record of our wrongdoing which condemned us 
and has also disarmed the powers and authorities. In Colossians, the powers and authorities are spiritual forces against uh, God and his people uh, and who seek to trap God's people in legalism and uh, trying to uh, you know, make sure if, you're, if you don't eat certain things, you'll be extra holy. Uh, and uh, that looks good on the outside, but doesn't really do anything. Uh, because Jesus' death is the one that has uh, taken away the record of our wrongdoing. And so these powers and authorities, they don't have any power anymore over the Christian, uh, and uh, the Lord Jesus triumphs over them. So Jesus succeeds where Samson fails, in a righteous life, and also in freeing us from our enemies. And thirdly, uh, we have the Holy Spirit permanently. If you noticed in uh, Judges, Samson three times has the Spirit of the Lord enable him and give him power and strength to do what God had planned for him to do. Uh, and uh, when he, before he left, Jesus told us in John chapter 14, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So Christians, if you're a Christian here tonight, you have the Holy Spirit permanently. Samson had the Holy Spirit temporarily to help him at certain times, but uh, in God's kindness, he's given us the Holy Spirit permanently. From the day you became a Christian uh, until forever, you will have the Holy Spirit with you. And... So we always have the help, the great helper of God, the Holy Spirit, to help us do the things that uh, God has for us to do. So Jesus succeeds where Samson fails because Jesus frees us from God's wrath because of his righteous life. He frees us from our enemies and from our record of wrongdoing and he gives us the Holy Spirit permanently, not temporarily. And so you can see even though Samson looked the goods and failed, uh, the real saviour, the real one who is coming, was the Lord Jesus. And uh, we celebrate his arrival at Christmas. But what does this mean for you and me? We're in the 21st century. Jesus' death was about 2,000 years ago. Uh, what does that mean for us? Well, it means that, uh, that God uses failures like us. We can be useful to God even in our failure. Samson failed a great deal uh, and God used that to bring about his purposes of judgment on the Philistines. We might think that we can give up or we might feel like we want to give up. We might think that there's no way God can use us. I've just told too many lies. I've deceived too many people. I can't be useful to God. I've watched too much porn. I've pirated too much music. I've flown off the handle one too many times. God can't use an angry person like me. I've been drunk too many times. I can't be useful to God. Maybe these are some reasons that these are some things that you've thought of. And maybe now and then you've just thought of chucking it in with God altogether, just throwing in the towel, saying this being a Christian is just too hard. I can't be any use to God. Well, thanks be to God for the story of Samson. 
because we're encouraged that God uses failures, even terrible failures like Samson. And so if God can use Samson to do what he has to do, he can definitely use you and I. There are a lot of regular things that uh, we can do for God, such as trusting God rather than our own strengths and abilities, giving money sacrificially, being sexually pure, giving time to others and sharing with them, growing in the knowledge of God, taking care of your family's practical needs and obeying his commands. And all of these things God is willing to help us with and will help us with with the help of the Holy Spirit. But not only that, we can do bigger things. Take Tim and Beck. Uh, I don't know in what way, but they are failures too. I asked him if it was okay to say that, and he said, sure. Uh, I don't know where they failed, but they failed. They've sucked at times. Uh, However, uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit and with courage, kind of like Samson had courage, they're going off to do what God has for them to do. They've got the opportunity to go and support gospel ministry in a way that we can't here by going to Cambodia and teaching at Hope. It takes courage to do that. It's leaving family, friends, everything that's familiar to a foreign city. Uh, As Tim said, no friends, but I'm sure you make friends very quickly. Uh, That takes courage. And so from this story of Samson, uh, be encouraged to have a go at the things that God's given you to do that maybe look a bit big and daunting. It might mean having a go at a Bible talk for the first time. It might mean having a go at a kid's talk or, or organising a coffee date to, to read the Bible with someone. I don't know what it looks like for you, but take courage. You have the Holy Spirit to help you all the time. Uh, you have the story of Samson where God uses failed people. He does, he, all of the judges failed in their own way, Samson fairly spectacularly, uh, and yet all of them were used by God. And, are inc- and even Samson is included in the hall of fame of faith. If we go to Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11 is, uh, has got all the mighty people of the faith, uh, the hall of famers, as it were, uh, people like Abraham and Moses. And the writer here says, And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. You wouldn't expect a Samson to be included in a list like this. Especially with David and Samuel. David who is described as being a man after God's own heart. And yet Samson, with his faithfulness to God, is listed here uh, as a mighty man of the faith. So if God uses Samson, and if Samson is considered Uh, a hall of famer, as it were, then he can definitely use you and I in whatever way that is. 
And we too might become heroes of the faith. You might become the person that they talk about in the church for the next 50 years, encouraging one another uh, in your example. I don't know what it would be like, but for the things that seem hard and difficult, uh, we ought to take courage, knowing that we can be useful to God even when we fail. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, we are humbled that you would use failures like us to advance the gospel, to uh, share the good news of Jesus, to do good and big things for your kingdom. We ask that uh, you would help us by your spirit and give us the courage to do the things that you have given us opportunity to do, big or small. Uh, And we ask that with the big things we would remember Samson, we we would remember uh, his usefulness to you, uh, his uh, status as a hero of the faith, and that we would be encouraged and take heart to, to serve you and to not give up. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.